Hello and thank you for joining me, Al, on another episode of Personal Battles. This is episode 3. Thank you already for the kind words and feedback this show is getting. It means a lot to me. Uh, doing something like this, it's really on my comfort zone. But I'm hoping that through doing this, it makes talking about mental health just a little bit more normal. And we all do it and hopefully it can help some people out there along the way. So thank you. It means a lot. And for today's battle guest, um, we have a real surprise. Such a surprise that even I don't know who they are yet. Um, okay, just wing it out. Uh, but I'm sure they are great. Yes, listen to them. They told a great story. And yeah, whoever they are. <laughs> Highs and lows. Low, 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 low. In today's highs and lows, there's two great examples I can share with you. So firstly, the highs. When I was out running this week, I ran past a man walking his dog. We made eye contact, we both smiled, we both waved, and then he started talking, and I couldn't quite talk back because I had my headphones on. But I realised this gentleman wanted a, more of a piece of owl than I realised. So I stopped, turned my headphones off, and had a conversation with him. I think one of the reasons I was so shocked, because I'm used to people in the street calling out bad names to me. Um, so... Yeah, I've been bullied quite a bit and because of my size and a lot of things. Uh, I've been insulted quite a lot. So when sh strangers shout at things at me, I just assume it's the worst. But sometimes it's not. So, yeah, this was a welcome surprise. Turns out he was a lovely man and had seen me on the TV regarding my conversation regarding mental health and just wanted to congratulate me and recognise me and just wanted to say some really kind words. Um... One of those moments as well where you, you're really not expecting something, um, compliments out of, out of nothing. It just really, like, really get a lump in your throat. It was such a lovely thing. Um, and then we had a conversation about mental health. And it was interesting because I was, I was saying to other people that he started sharing a story which I don't think he probably shared to many people. But saw me and decided I'm going to tell Al my story. So it was lovely. So right there in the middle of a park, two men stopped and had a chat and had probably a little personal battles talk. I shared some of my thoughts and he started telling me his story. Now I won't go into details with his story, but what he did say at the end, it, it, was, it was really moving. And uh, I think I want to say it here too. And he was saying, obviously, what I'm doing is, is extremely helpful for people. And inspiring because he said in his in his time his generation having those problems he didn't talk about men especially didn't talk about these subjects or how they felt and what he said was a lot of good men simply disappeared now wow that's a statement and i i do believe it i heard uh I think I heard Piers Morgan saying um, recently that he thinks mental health issues are going up because so many people are talking about them and that's making people feel worse and so making people feel like they do have mental health issues. Now, I don't agree with him. I think that's a bit of an old generation kind of dinosaur way to think of things, that talking about it makes things worse. No, Piers, talking about it makes things better. And in your day, people just didn't talk about it. They just went missing. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to help, educate, and get people talking. It's good to talk. Don't bottle it up. And definitely do not disappear. So after our conversations, I asked if I could shake his hand. We did. And then we went our separate ways, both smiling, probably both with a little spring in our step. And it's lovely, really, to think just two strangers almost bumped into each other, had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation, then just left. A minute either side, that would never have happened. But having that little moment, it really made my day, so thank you. It's nice to know people are appreciating what I'm doing, even when random strangers stop me mid-run. And I go, eh? What? Oh, sorry, hang on a minute. Let's pause, 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 pause. <laughs> so, yeah, personal battles on the road and when I'm out running <laughs> the lows 
I want to share this week's lows because uh, I think it's quite an important one to understand that sometimes it doesn't need a trigger. Sometimes you don't need a reason to feel down. It can just hit. And that's what happened to me. So on Friday, I was trying to uh, do a little video shoot for my YouTube channel regarding a race. And I was trying to put my usual humor and character into it. But I could just feel underneath it just bubbling away that I just didn't feel right. The clouds were over me. I didn't want to do it. But I was putting on a brave face. The brave face that I've put on for a very long time. I kind of think of it as wearing a mask. So people don't really know what you're going through. They just see a happy, smiling person. And you can't really tell from that. Because I've always gone back to the example of, look at Robin Williams. You wouldn't have thought what he was going through because he was too busy making everyone laugh. So when I was shooting this YouTube video, it was a strange one because halfway through, I kind of just stopped, looked at the camera and asked myself, are you all right? And then I said no. And then it started a little heart to heart with myself or heart to phone as I say in the YouTube channel. And I was like, afterwards thinking that was a bit of a silly thing to do. That was just supposed to be about a, a, a recent run that I'd done, about a, a running event. I should maybe take that out. And I thought, no, again, I want to be honest, genuine and real. I want to show people that sometimes you don't need a... Something doesn't need to happen to suddenly feel like this, to feel suddenly, for me, the dark clouds just coming over me. And I know once they're there, they ain't going to blow away quite quickly. It's going to take some time. There's nothing anyone can do. And uh, yeah, it's just got, I've just got to deal with it myself. So I decided to keep it in as well. So people could see the other side of me. <laughs> um, but the other side of me also was worried about me. and was checking in, asking myself if I was all right. So yeah, it got a bit crazy. But I'm glad I kept it in. And I'm glad I shared it. And I'm glad I can talk about it now too. So yeah, there doesn't have to be a reason to suddenly break down and cry and don't worry about it. I've run out of stores because I've suddenly felt myself crying or a wave of emotions coming through and I know there's people around me and I'm standing looking at the chocolate bars and I don't think I don't want people to think, oh my word, he's really upset about that deal on that Cadbury's bar. Uh, no, it's not that. I just I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable, so I like to leave. And there's been times where I've just been walking down a walking down a path on my own and I can just feel it coming, and I can just start crying. And then it's out of nowhere. So yeah, so that's my low. But maybe he's talking about it. Can turn it into a high. <laughs> Possibly not, but you know, <laughs> we can try. But yeah, so that was my low. But what does the swan say? Catching up with Cole. Come on in, Cole. Give the listeners your life advice for them. Cole. Cole. Cole! Talking to you. Take the headphones off. Wait, what are you listening to now? What, that song again? You always listen to that. All the time. It's like your signature song. Eh? What? Uh, don't, don't attack me. No, no. Cole, 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 Cole. How do you get down from an elephant? You don't, you get down from a swan. But, ah, ow, call it. It's just a laugh. I'm just trying to be funny. Call it. I'm, just, I'm, I'll not, I'll not, I'll not make any jokes about your long neck. Look, I won't. But, I, I suppose that swan way to do it. But, ah, call. Call, call, call. Have you heard this new pub open in Chester Street named after you? No, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Like, there's a pub going to be called Colin. I meant swan. The swan and signets. Can you imagine bars just being called, hello, welcome to Colin? <sighs> okay, what's your advice this week? Ah, yeah, that is right. You don't often see swans flying, even though you've got huge wings. So, what's the meaning behind that? Oh, oh, you're lazy. Ah, oh, I thought there was going to be something a bit deeper than that that we could use. Right, so the reason you don't see swans flying is because they can't be bothered. So, what's your advice then? Don't fly if you can walk. Don't walk if you can sit. Don't sit if you can sleep. Wow, well, yeah. There you go, listeners. There's Colin's advice for this week. Um, so, it sounds like just take a nap. 
Yep, yep, yep. That's that's the advice. There you go. Wow. I now know who battle guest number three is going to be, and I'm delighted I've got him. It feels like a scoop. When I came up with this idea of this podcast months and months back, I made a list of who I wanted on this show, and this person was at the very top. He was up there because we've been stalking. We've been stalking. We became friends over a year ago when we started talking on social media through our love for running and how that helps with our mental health. We would regularly keep in contact with one another and make sure that we were both okay. But it wasn't until we actually met face to face one day in Glasgow in July 2023 when I really got to meet the real person and discover what an inspiring person this man is. We shared our stories, but when he shared his story, my mouth fell open. This will take you on a roller coaster of emotions. But he's so open about talking about it and wanting to help people like myself. I think it's a story that needs sharing. Even this just helps one person out there. This show is worth it. All these hours is worth it. So... Without further ado, here comes Battle Guest Number Three's story. Here comes Andrew. Battle Guest Number Three. Listener discretion advised, as there will be conversations regarding suicide. Okay, before we start talking to Battle Guest Number Three, let me just ask him a quick question before we start. First of all. How would you like to me to address you, Andrew? Andy, what works best? Um, I'm not bothered. I'm quite easy easy in that regard. We'll go with uh, most people call me Andy, so let's go with that. Okay, Andy. Well, well, that uh, that, that doesn't work for me, unfortunately, because I've had two previous <laughs> guests and they've had like three character names. I've had Jay okay. and I've had a Loz. So could I and... maybe just, could I maybe just call you And? That'd be yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> So when people say, like, what's your three guests been? I can say, G and Laws. No, who's yeah. your third guest? I've just told you, G and Laws. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Uh, maybe, maybe it's Andrew or Andy. Yeah. But I've just realised as well, on day of recording, it's the perfect day to talk to you because you're Scottish. Uh, you're called Andrew. And it's St. Andrew's Day. St. Andrew's Day is indeed, I know. So what does that mean for you, Andrew? Do you get, like... Uh, like gifts and presents and stuff? No, what they do is they put a huge road uh, parade on just outside my house and Ooh. hundreds and hundreds of people come and share my name and celebrate just me, obviously. I was getting bored <laughs> here, does it? <laughs> okay. It can be a bit frustrating at times, but, you know, kind of goes with the territory. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have a great interview here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I've I've left this interview to the very last minute, just uh, so because our guest here has been uh, unwell. I think he's been unwell with his moustache, but uh, oh man, flu, something like that. But yeah, yeah it's it's Thursday and the episode's going out today. But I desperately wanted you on the show, Andrew. So thank you for doing this. Uh, and if you have to be sick, uh, just pop yourself on mute. I'll be alright. So first of all, let's get into the friendly fire question where we can all relax, have a nice break and get to know each other. Uh, the friendly fire question was asked this time by my good friend Loz. And I don't think I've had a larger distance in topic. So uh, I've got a question about the southern coast of England to be answered by a Scott, probably near the top of Scotland. Aren't you ready at the very top? Don't you live in Balmoral um, or something, Andrew? I'm I'm right next to Balmoral, yeah. So I'm kind Ooh. of sort of smack bang in the middle, maybe slightly to the left. <laughs> yeah. Slightly to the left of Balmoral. Slightly anyone. to the left. <laughs> Head to Balmoral, take a left. That's where yeah. Andrew is. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's snowing here in the north of England. So where you are, are you are you oh, yeah, under a snowdrift? Snow. We do have snow. It's not been as bad as it kind of initially looked like it was going to be, but um, it's definitely arrived. Yeah, and we've been up in the up in the highlands and the Cairngorms. We do get a lot of it at times. <laughs> you must be cold a lot, or just really tough. Um, yeah, <laughs> very cold. <laughs> <laughs> like, cold yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing tough about me. 
Well, like I'm currently sitting in my conservatory because I like sitting here because it's nice and windows everywhere. And I've got lots of bird feeders on. Sit, sit and watch the birds here. But uh, if you ever hear any strange noises during the interview, that's probably just my uh, teeth chattering because uh, it's so cold. <laughs> but <laughs> I've got many layers on. But uh, I like sitting here, see the odd bird and get distracted. But yeah. Oh, blue tit. Okay, let's go back to Loz from last week and find out her answer to the big question that everyone is waiting for her to answer. Loz, can I have your friendly fire question again, please? What do you, how do you eat your scone? Do you have it with cream and then jam? Or jam and then cream? Cornish or devil? So, Loz, how do you eat yours? I eat mine by putting the clotted cream on first uh -huh. when it's thick like butter. <laughs> and then I spoon the jam on. Oh, steady. So I don't disturb <laughs> the cream too much. <laughs> and that is how I eat my scone. So that, I believe, is the Devon way. So Devon way is cream, then jam. And the Cornish way is jam, then cream. But then it depends if you turn the scone upside down or not. So, yeah, that is how Loz eats hers. So, we'll answer Loz's question. Uh, Loz's question was, how do you eat your scone, Andrew? Is it the Cornish way or the Devon way? Clotted cream, then jam, or jam, then clotted cream? It's the huge debate down in Cornwall. What are you going it's for? It's massive. I always go with clotted cream, then jam. Right. I see it almost as the, the butter and spread <laughs> layering. So you go with the cream first, then the yeah. That's what Loz was saying. That's... Use the use the cream as a butter and the jam that's, on the top. Yeah. That's how I see it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think I agree with that too. So yeah, all three of us are in agreement. Uh, I think that was the Devon way. So yeah, sorry, sorry, Cornish. Uh, we're going Devon. <laughs> so. <laughs> right now we'll go over to Andrew and have his personal touch story. We want to hear about Andrew and how he was in the battlefield what happened and how he got back up. Now, just to put a little disclaimer in before we start, uh, this discussion may involve some suicide talks, so just making you aware. Uh, this is real people having real issues, and yet sometimes it can get a bit dark, but that's what we need to talk about and keep things open. So, Andrew, uh, please, if you don't mind, let's have a little bit of your battle your, the conditions that you were under, the battlefield, and what happened up, up until your darkest point. I think, especially with depression, and um, when you get to the point of suicide, people expect or have um, a feeling that something traumatic has had to have happened, and your, yeah. your depression spirals out of that traumatic incident that probably wasn't the case for me um in life yes i had my own traumas and little things that happened but i can't say that any one particular thing led to me being in a place of anxiety and depression for me i think it was years and years of my own conditioning um in the way that my mind was working so I can remember being younger and considering things like suicide um, at school age. Well, school age not, as well. School age, yeah, and not yeah. find and weirdly not finding that a scary thought. Um, yeah. I think all my life I was very self-deprecating. I had a very low self-esteem, low self-confidence, and my head just kept telling me and telling me and telling me that this was accurate and this was true. Um, the way I sort of described what happened for me is if you could imagine someone sitting on your shoulder for half an hour today and that half an hour, all they did was tell you everything that you were doing was wrong. Everything you're doing was an embarrassment. Everything that you did was making a fool of yourself. Um, and sort of thinking how that would feel after that half an hour, the emotions that you would feel from that, the um, anger, the yeah. upset, all those type of uh, emotions that cling to you. And then imagine that happening 
basically every minute of the waking day yeah for days for weeks for months for wow. years and there never being a reprieve from it you get to the end of the day and you think right i've made it to bed i can sleep this mm -hmm. is great mm -hmm. But your head won't let you switch off because you ruminate over absolutely everything that's gone on in that daylight hours to right. the point where you're up till two, three, four in the morning before you eventually pass out for the alarm to go off at six, seven to get ready to go to work or yeah. go on with your day again. And that's kind of what was what was happening with me. Um however, I was very, very good at hiding it. Um, I've always felt like I had a mask on, and I think yeah. we've talked about this before. That we have, yeah. That that sense of having a mask that you don't want people to see, and I think one a lot of it came out of shame, out of fear of what I was feeling, but also the social stigmas that are still there, probably especially for men. I do I do see an improvement and you do know that it's getting better but I do still very much believe that a lot of men out there struggle with opening up about their feelings because there's that sense of you no know, you're the man you're supposed yeah, to handle 100%. this yeah you you just deal with it and you get on with it and mm -hmm. we don't have feelings and well, it's not that we don't have feelings but you don't show them that that's yeah that sense of, I suppose, what people would see as weakness. And really, it's not weak at all. It's, it's, no. just, it's just being human. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as I got closer to my darkest points in the depression, I could feel my mask slipping, and I was finding it harder to hide what was probably right. going on for me. Yep. And that was scaring me a lot as well. Um, but like I said, I, I did hide it very, very well. And I think looking at me and my life at the time, no one would, no one had a clue. Mm. You look at my life, I was, at the time I was married, I had a house, I had a job, my kids were born. Um, so on paper, everything looks hunky-dory. So it's that also you have, that. so again, internally you have that guilt of, well, I've got all this. Yeah. Look at my life. What? Why? Yeah, why I shouldn't feel, I feel like this. So, yeah. Yeah. So why? Why is it that I feel so miserable? Like yeah. I said, there was no, there was no trauma. I mean, yes, I've had trauma. I've lost loved ones, and things have happened in my life. But I wouldn't say anything specifically. Right. Not a one big trigger. Uh, a spiral. Yeah. It's right. A spiral into depression. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you had that guilt, but then that guilt would then go into your head and your head would take over that. And then all of a sudden it's, well, look at you, you're pathetic. Imagine feeling this, imagine feeling that. Why? Who, who, who yeah. would look at you and think this is, you just need to map, even in your own head, you, know, you just man up and get on with it. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just built and built and built. Um, I also think, I mean, mental health in, in, in itself is, a very difficult thing for anybody to understand let alone anybody who hasn't yep. gone through it themselves yeah so opening up and admitting it in the first instance is difficult because you're scared because you don't understand it yourself but you're also worried that no one else is going to understand and you kind of yep. get into your, your hole and everything's sort of in that darkness and all you see is other people doing really really well mm -hmm. And I, yeah. and I think that's just because you're so you're so aware of it in your own head that you're struggling so much that you're trying to hide it and everyone else is but look why is everyone else seem to be coping with life why, yeah, coping so why well everyone, yeah yeah why is everyone finding this so easy and it must be just me yeah it just must it must just be me again and that that and then again your mental health isolates you further because mm -hmm. it makes you start thinking well it is just me and how could anybody understand this and yeah even now, having gone through it and come out the other side, I can't fully understand what it's like for anybody else. So I understand, I can relate to people who have mental health, but I can't understand, for example, your mental health because yeah. we have we'll have different values, we'll have different belief systems, we'll experience things differently, mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes it so sort of so complicated and so 
hard to grasp, I would say, because everybody is different and everybody handles it differently and takes things differently. So what might be water off a duck's back or, or a swan's yeah. back for <laughs> someone is detrimental to someone else. And then that's where a, a potential conflict can come from because a loved one or a friend might not understand. And that's where not not an insensitive comment because they're not trying to be insensitive. They want to be supportive, yeah. can, but can come across that. It's like, oh, we can get over that. That's fine. We can deal with that. Yeah. But to you who's struggling big time with your mental health and you can't see any way out, that's not just an easy case of, Oh, right, okay, I'll get over it. Yeah. Because if that was the case, we would have done it. We don't choose to live with yeah. a mental health condition. You wouldn't wish it on anybody exactly. because it's so damaging. And it would be amazing if it was as easy as waving a magic wand or clicking the fingers or someone just saying, it's okay. And that, that was it. It'd go mm -hmm. away. Yeah. But it's not. It takes yeah. it takes a lot more than that. And um and I think that's what I kind of struggled with because I couldn't open up about it. I felt um, isolated. I felt alone. I had people around me, but again, it was how do you tell people you love the most that you are so miserable, that you're yeah. so depressed that to the point of you are in a position where I want to take my own life. Yeah. Um, how, how, how would you have that conversation without it? I don't know, being taken personally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's it's almost a shame of saying it, but then they reflected on the other person that they'll take that personally. Like, oh, you're feeling like this because of me. What have I done yeah, wrong? Exactly. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's nothing you've done wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's like, why am I not making you happy? Why am I not helping you feel that way? Yeah. And, and again, I think that's probably your mental health playing on you and mm -hmm. convincing you and again, isolating you from people because. Yeah. I know for me, if anybody told me, I would never think that. I'd be like, oh my gosh, we need to get you help. We're going to look after you and protect you. But yeah. when you're on your own and you're doing it, and like I said, I, I, also, I wasn't much of a talker anyway in, in regards to my feelings because mm. I was a man. <laughs> I was a guy. Right. Like, yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah I'm, everything's fine. I'm, no, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, well, I'm maybe a little bit under the weather or not quite right. But no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Even that. So it was like constantly getting worse. And um, so like my anxiety was a big thing that led to it. That just kind of spiraled me into the depression. Like I said, I think the anxiety was there long before. And that's what that voice was. That one that was telling me that was rubbish and useless and ruminating on the past and mm. worried about the, worrying about the future. Because if I'm feeling this way, this is never going to end. This, and again one of the things about being in that dark space is that you don't see the lights you don't see a way out um all you see is this black void of misery <laughs> that's never ever going to shift and yeah. how can i ever get myself out of this and then again that's when your head starts taking over and it, for me anyway it wasn't straight to suicide it was a process it was a oh, i could die and I'd be okay with that. And that was that was there for a while. And then right. it was, I really wish something would happen that I would die. You know, it's like that kind of just let just let me go. Yeah. To the point where you actually start begging in your head to whatever is out there, the, to God, the universe, yeah. whatever it is out there. So like, just let this pain stop and yeah. just take me away. Just let me go. Or just let me go. Just <sighs> let me rest and let me let me be. And then that no, that doesn't happen. So then that yeah. rolls on and it's like, right, well, I've got to be proactive because I can't live like this. Um, and like I said, I, I, I've got kids and I had my kids at this time. And now you think, oh, my God, how, why did I ever think that that was a good idea? I mean, leaving my kids alone and it sounds it sounds so selfish mm -hmm. looking back back but at that time you're so convinced that's the only way yeah you're so convinced that everyone else is going to be so much better off without you around without you there yeah um and i think again that was another one of my anxiety traits was that i kind i kind of took everyone else's hurt or pain or upset 
personally, as in the only reason they're feeling that is because I'm in their life. I'm not helping them. Right. I'm the, I'm the burden. I'm causing. So you're absorbing grief. all that negativity, and you're the yeah. reason for all that negativity. I'm the reason. So it gets to that point of now. It's almost that, almost that justification of well, that's why I should end my life. Is that because I'm doing all that to people? They would be yeah. so much better off. Yeah, you're looking for evidence now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not just the case of it's in your head. You're actively seeking out the justification. It's like, okay, yeah, no, that's yep. there. Okay, that's there. I can, I can do this now because clearly, I'm going to. Uh, it's it's it's, it's going to be beneficial for everyone. It's going to end my pain, but also it's going to stop bringing everyone else down. And like I said, they'll be better off without me. So that's what I did. I started actively taking steps to end my life. And it wasn't just once. In fact, I wasn't very good at it. Got lots of humor. You can laugh about it. Yeah, but that's saying you can laugh about it. It's not, it's not a funny thing, but I mean, you kind of... You, I don't know, maybe it's like the kind of job I have now and that career mindset. It's like the best way to deal with trauma is through humor. You kind of, if I don't laugh at it, I'll cry. And yeah. I need to, in a, in a way of moving on and, I don't know, forgiving myself maybe. It's kind of like you have to kind of make light of it and then you have to put light on it and we have to talk about it. Talking about it, yeah. And it's one yeah. of the things that... Um, Glad I'm, I'm delighted and honoured that you've asked me on to do this because I think it's really important that the talking side of it for me is still very therapeutic um, and it's funny because you kind of go from a position of avoiding it completely and hiding it away from the world to then going actually I'm going to flip that and I want to talk about it and I want yeah. to mention it and and again for me but also because I want people to know that they aren't alone. Mm -hmm. This this isn't something that um it's, yeah, it's not to it's not just them, is it? It's not that one person. As you see, like depression makes you feel alienated and alone, and it's yeah. just me. And you realize by conversations like this, many people are in a similar position. And one of the reasons I was desperate to get you onto the show, Andrew, was because I heard your story. I know we're friends. We we've talked quite a while on Instagram, and then we met uh, in July for a coffee in Glasgow and we again just cards on the table just two guys just being completely honest talking about their mental health mm -hmm. and I and when I heard your story it's like wow uh, it's it's a it's a very heavy story but I think it's a one that it will it needs to be told really so other people out there again aren't feeling like isolated and it's just them because there was even a point where you went we went missing or something as well, Andrew, didn't you? There was there was newspaper reports, there was helicopter searches. You you just disappeared, didn't you? Yeah. So at that point, I had made a few attempts on my life, and wow. nothing had happened. And I just got to that point where I was like, right, I need to, I need to get, <laughs> I need to get this done. <laughs> Basically, as callous <laughs> as that sounds, yeah, it, it was right. it was at that point I was I was in such a dark space. Um. I was initially, I, I was, I, I, at this point, I was under doctor's supervision, I suppose. They knew I had made attempts at this stage. I had medicine thrown at me. I had all your antidepressants. Um, with the lead up to the fact that I will get counselling, but counselling never came and it was medication and medication. And, um, it and that wasn't working. Point. And that wasn't working. And I think I'll, I'll digress a little bit because I'm with antidepressants, because again, it's one of these things I was very um, naive and unaware of their impact. Hmm. I think because for so long I've seen medicine as almost like that paracetamol effect. It's you take paracetamol until you start feeling better. When you feel better, you stop taking it. Easy, easy. The antidepressants. I had that same mentality. I was right. given the antidepressants. And again, one of the things I wasn't aware of when you first start taking antidepressants, it takes a couple of weeks to kick in mm -hmm. and you can have a sudden, you can have a drop yep. Yep. initially until, the anti until they start kicking in and those antidepressants start working. 
again, I wasn't informed about that. So I had a real slump and low and like, oh my God, this isn't working. Then the antidepressants kick in and I start building better. And it's almost, it's almost took that, as they described it, that fizz out of you. Like, okay, I'm feeling more comfortable now. I'm feeling more relaxed. Mm. Okay, actually, I'm starting to see a brighter picture. Okay, okay. Well, actually, I'm feeling better now. I don't need these anymore. Oh, no. You so you just don't. I'm going to stop taking. Right. Because no one had explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't know because I hadn't done them before. So, so again, and that's what kind of made me crash again. So I got to this point. So, well, obviously, it doesn't work. I'm, 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 I'm doomed, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so, and beyond that, yeah. So that, that morning, again, no one would have known anything was wrong. In fact, I this sounds horrible, but I dropped my kids off at school that morning. And then I took myself off. I went to a local woods, parked up the car, and I walked myself in as far as I could away from that car park and sort of away from civilization. And I had my belt with me. And I found a tree. I took myself up. I wrapped the belt around, and I started to hang myself. The only thing that saved me was the belt snapped, the buckle broke, right. and I dropped and I fell from the tree. Yeah. Um, and that was that kind of, but what do I do now? And I said, I can't go back. This is, this is what I've come to do. And, and you're so, again, you're so sort of focused on doing it. And I was like, right, okay, I, I'll need to find a way. And it was, it was November time, it was freezing cold. Um, I tried. I even tried to point of choking myself out, just like right. pulling it yeah. through and pulling it mm-hmm. really tight, to the point where I would pass out. But because I pass out, I would let go of the tension, oh, and I would start breathing again. <laughs> um, I found ponds of water. I was like, right, it's freezing cold. Dunk myself in, and I'll walk away. And mm-hmm. this, at this point, I started hearing voices in the woods, people shouting my name. I could hear a helicopter above um, flying me, and I, I assumed it was me. I mean, I didn't know at that time, and it, inevitably it turned out it was. And I was out for out in those woods for 15, 16 hours, maybe longer. No way. And I was just, and, and it got to, and, and I could start hearing the dogs, they'd like sniffer dogs out finding me, and I was mm-hmm. like, moving all around the forest, trying to find a way out. I actually snuck past a police car that was parked at the main entrance right. and got out of those woods and started walking with the intention of going somewhere else. And I don't know, there's something changed. And, and I think inherently, when you, even when you're at that lowest point, you don't really want to kill yourself. You don't, you don't want to die. Yeah. Like you're so, you are just so broken and you just don't know. And, Something fortunately, something just clicked for me. I was like, right, I need to find someone. I need to get help. Right. And, and so it's just a moment up. walking down that road that you suddenly thought, I need to. Yeah, and, and I just kept, I just kept walking to the next village and ended up um, at a hotel. And I, it was all locked up, and they were like an intercom buzzer system. So I pushed that. Mm-hmm. So right, sorry, I, I think I'm, people are looking for me. And then the police came in and I got taken to hospital and I had a month in a mental health hospital. And But from that, I started getting the CBT, the, the therapy that I was needing. And yeah. that was that was like the start of the turning point for me. Right. Wow. Well, uh, thanks for that, Andrew. Um, what do you think of that, listeners? That was quite the battlefield, so... Andrew took himself off to the woods and then had multiple attempts on his own life. Uh, and the alarm must have been raised quite early. Went looking for him. And uh, yeah, he was then trying to avoid help. So yeah, that is pretty much as dark as it can get with a man trying to take his own life and then repeatedly trying to keep doing it. So we will make a break there, a comfort break. Um, we'll stop. We'll take a breather. Hopefully, when we come back, Andrew alluded to a little bit there that uh, he started getting CBT. So let's go a little bit into that when we come back. So we'll leave it for now. Come for break. We'll uh, go to an advert break. 
listen to some adverts, and then we'll come back. So see you soon. From the best-selling author, Richard Tallman, comes the fourth book in his series of books. And yes, it's another really big book. Buy the collection, complete the set, and have four big books. Read these stories, go on journeys to places, because I haven't read the books, but I'm sure they'll be really good places with enlightenment and things. Get these books now. They'll take you to new levels. And they do that by putting all these four big books on the floor. And then you too could be like Richard Tallman. You could be a tall man. And then reach that top shelf. Go on, treat yourself to four big Richard Tallman books. Who needs ladders when you can have four big books? Urgent appeal to everyone out there who likes getting drunk. We've just made the most incredible gin, like life-changing gin. It's like blow your own head off stuff. But be careful though, because like Mike's been running his car off every week. It's even better than Stevie G. But you'll have to add like your own soft drinks to it though, because without it, it's quite unpalatable. We didn't know what to call it, so we just called it Liverpool Gin because like you know why not? It's great and uh, it's totally boss man. Come with me as I take you to a place, a special place, a place where your place might be soon. Your place, my place, no, no place. That's right, the No Place Tourism Board here. No Place is a small town near Stanley County Durham. You could live here. It even has its own pub. And the landlord is a dashwood called Bernard. But the main reason for living here is when you've been out and you want to get a taxi home order a taxi and say to him, take me to no place. Well, get out of your car then. No, take me to no place. Look, mate, what are you talking about? No place. Okay, welcome back from the little advert break there. I hope you enjoyed those adverts. Um, yeah, they're, they're really good, aren't they? <laughs> oh, you know that Liverpool gin? I've got a bottle yeah? there in my kitchen. To make. Oh, have you? Oh, oh they'll be, oh, they'll oh, be over the moon with that. See, these adverts <laughs> are working. Andrew's got some <laughs> Liverpool gin. <laughs> if you know, you know. Okay, so uh, we left you on the battlefield at probably one of your lowest points ever, Andrew. Uh, after so much going on in your life, it got to that point in the woods, alone, avoiding help. So let's now focus on recovery and what happened after that. So how did you start getting back up and getting the help that you needed? Uh, well, like I said, I had that month in hospital, and that was the starting point for me because I started to get the therapy, the cognitive behavioural therapy that I was so desperately needing. Um, and it wasn't easy, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Initially, it's quite weird because even though I had that month and the medication was there and the people there supporting you, it took a while for me to, one, accept the help, but to decide that I wanted that help. Um, and I think that's one of the big things that I don't know, people maybe aren't aware of. It's almost that you need to decide that you want to get better. You yeah. need to you need to make that conscious choice. Down to it's you, all very good it? being yeah, it's I mean, so it's all very good people throwing all the support at you. But unless you make that conscious choice and put the effort in nothing's ever going to work mm -hmm. so it took maybe a little while for me to kind of come to that all right i really want to do this i want the help and i want to put in the effort um and i did so obviously i did my therapy sessions but with that came other things like exercising again and getting back mm -hmm. into running but also things like journaling um right because that was the, one of the big things I said I struggled with was just talking about how I was mm -hmm. feeling. And yep. it, it was suggested, well, sometimes because, I, again, because of the way my head was working, I could 
he always put the blinkers on a problem. So you would have a problem and your head would just focus on the problem. You wouldn't see anything else with it. Yeah. But in writing down the problem, it almost made it easier to see solutions or it would take the sting of out of the problem. Because, okay. okay, now that I've written it down, actually, that's not that big a deal. Why, why, why was I getting so stressed out? Right. So it's, it's bigger in your head than when you've written it down. Exactly, right. yeah. Or just writing down how I was feeling because that mm -hmm. was then a stepping stone to being able to show someone. Right. And then from showing someone, I could talk to them about what's written there because they've already seen it. So I could then talk about it and it kind of encouraged that sense of right we can talk about your feelings and it's okay there's not going yeah. to be a backlash yeah <laughs> it, it's just talking yeah um so that that helped me as well and i mean the, the, the coping mechanisms are countless really like it, it, it's whatever's going to work for that individual um yeah. it could be going for a walk it could be listening to music it could be talking it could be baking it could be sewing it could be doing a crossword there are so many mm -hmm. ways of being able to just unwind and I don't know, redirect your mindset yeah because that's the problem i think that was the that's the big thing that's the big hurdle is changing the way for me anyway was changing the way my brain processed how i was what i was doing um how much uh, responsibility i held on like other people's feelings other people's actions yep. so it was becoming it was more about coming to control what the control the controllables exactly yeah control the controllables yeah you can't um, control what people think about you or feel yeah exactly you can't control what they think you can't control what they yep. feel that's not on you and that mm. that took a lot of time one of the things was I was a people pleaser. You wanted people yeah, to be happy right. around you, and just like me, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And then it's realizing it's like, well, actually, it's not my job to please people. Mm -hmm. so I'll, I'm me. I think I'm a fairly alright guy. <laughs> and yeah, people, great guy. Yeah. And it's got to be that mindset of well, if people like me, amazing. If people don't, technically, it's their loss. Yeah. No matter <laughs> what that, you do, you can't change that. So. No. Yeah. Exactly. So you have you, you can only ever be you, and that was mm -hmm. I think that was one of, again one of my other problems is that I lost my identity because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to make everybody happy. So to make yeah. everybody happy, I had to mold myself to the way that they were, and mm -hmm. some of that that meant bending and shaping and twisting and all. And then putting the mask on, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden yeah. you don't have an identity. Yeah. Um. So again, that was something else that came from the therapy was understanding that it's okay just to be me it's it's okay for people not to like me yeah. it's okay for me to have my own opinions and stand up for myself and do things that are right for me and mm -hmm. not seeing it as being like a selfish act exactly yeah because it's not yeah. i think again a, a, a lot of people maybe struggle with that fact is the fact that if you do something for you it can be seen as selfish or in your head yeah. well i'm yeah. really selfish i'm doing something for me and only me how, how, what, what kind of person does that make me yeah <laughs> but it's it, but it's essential we mm -hmm. need we all need to have an outlet we all need to have our own thing and i mean we're all individuals and unique for a reason and yeah. you can't hide that away because it just it just claw, it chews away at you and it makes you miserable yeah <laughs> makes you depressed it, yeah i was getting the, really i was getting the same things andrew from my cbt it was suddenly realizing i was a huge people pleaser like yourself mm. and realizing that's okay that works when you were a child because obviously you're probably people praising adults who, who will feed you and look after you yeah. but you can't just keep doing that as an adult as well it's crazy ideology it doesn't help no, no matter how much you try and please everybody you know it's not going to always work you're just mm -hmm. wasting your time and effort when you stop stop people pleasing and start thinking about yourself, there's that other part of you, however you've been brought up or whatever that you've suddenly feel that's selfish. I shouldn't feel like that. I should do for other people. And it's like looking after you is good. You're it's not being selfish looking after yourself or having these things or doing the things that you want. No, that's that's you're looking after yourself and suddenly trying to I was trying to get my head around that as well. Of like, no, Alan, that's that's not the right way to think about these things. It's not being selfish. It's it's putting yourself first. Like, yeah.
Oh yeah. And I think I think I'm quite a caring person as well. Mm. And, I, and one of the other ones is, and it's quite cliche. It's like you can't pour out of an empty cup, but it's yeah. so true. Yeah. It's like if you if you're not looking after yourself and making sure that you're well and you, that that you're loving your own person. Yeah. How can you really take care and help yeah. someone else? Because, you're helping everybody else, but you're not helping yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're not really giving them your all. Then no. People aren't actually getting the best of you if you're not taking care of yourself. And mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was, it was all, uh, it's all, I suppose, the hindsight's simplistic things. <laughs> it, it took a lot of hard work to have them implemented into my head. I mean, I'm now five years down the line it was 2018 when i took myself off to the woods and i'm can't i find it hard now to relate to that person i was yeah i was going to say andrew do you know who that person is is that a completely different person to who you are now i I don't know if it's a completely different person the mindset's completely different clearly okay um what happened to me was horrific it was tragic it was traumatic but it shaped me to be who I am today mm-hmm. I don't and, and, and so I, I don't feel the shame that I maybe did now and that's why it makes it easier for me to talk about it because it's going through that which has made me who I am today Yeah, it's almost like that you have to be like nothing changes in your life unless it really really hurts you if something's painful, you might go, oh, that sucks, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to change anything. It's only when something really tears you up do you start looking and go, oh, my God, I don't like that. I need to mm-hmm. make a change. Yeah, I need to get away from that or change. Or yeah, that. so yeah. it took me being in that really dark place to make changes in my life. and mm-hmm. I feel that they're all positive changes. I don't feel like I... I think it's, it's probably always something that's going to be a part of you, but what makes a difference now is that I have coping mechanisms. I'm aware of the signs. Yeah. Um, I'm much more open and vocal uh-huh. um, to the point that even like even last month I was struggling with my anxiety, and I think I was quite open about it on things like social media and right. speaking to my family about it. It's like, well, Andy from five years ago would have felt those feelings and squashed them. Don't let anybody know. You can't let anybody know because you're doing so well. If you're Mm -hmm. doing well, but then you say something, people are going to start disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that people-pleasing thing again. The people-pleasing, yeah. yeah. I'll I'll affect them. Yeah, I'll upset their day, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, no, that's ridiculous. It's like, guys, I'm I'm really, really struggling here. Yeah. I, I need that support. And fortunately, that's... And, and that's what you get. Then you do get it. And I get it from the people, in, my, my real life people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I also get it from my little square box people <laughs> on social yeah, media. Yeah, square boxes, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and it's amazing the support that you get. And it's amazing from being vocal about it, how much you hear other people's stories and mm. just how um, it affects so many people. Yeah. And we need to, and we really do need to make that discussion about mental health feel as safe as you would be your physical health. We're quite happy 100%. to tell people, oh, I've got a virus. Or, yeah, any kind of niggle or muscle tissue. Any yeah. kind of niggle, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you about it. I feel like this, or I'm feeling really run down. Yeah. That, 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 it doesn't even cross your mind that you wouldn't share that with someone. So mm. why should it be different with like something that's going on with you mentally? It's almost like that whole comment of, are you okay? It's just like another way of saying hello. So you just want to dismiss it straight away. You don't want to say no, because then you think, oh, the other person, again, people pleasing, doesn't really want to hear that. They've already moved on to a different conversation. Are you okay? No. Oh, I thought, sorry, I thought we were done. It's like, oh, was that just an empty statement? But when you know somebody be really care and are really asking and then ask again, yeah, let's tell them, but let's be open. And as you say, as with physical health, if you're suddenly missing from your local areas or acting slightly different, people should be able to pick up on that and go, are you all right? Do you want to talk about something? Yeah. And like, like you've said before, you've mentioned a few times in your previous podcast as well, mm-hmm. it's that little act of kindness. Yeah, the acts of kindness, can just, yeah. Can just, can just make such a big difference. And it can be just a, 
you know what? I've seen you on social media, but there's something about your eyes, or there's something about your yeah, head. totally. Yeah, the people way, are picking, the way, picking up. Yeah, the way the way that you're writing or the way that you're presenting is like, are you, is everything okay? Because it's just, do you think it's a photo? Like, let me look. <laughs> but really, it's actually, actually, you know what? You're actually bang on. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I really appreciate the fact that you've asked, and because you've asked, I'm going to tell you because yeah. clearly you're interested and you want to know. That means the world to me that you've actually. It gives you a sense of value, which I never had. Which you never had, yeah. Years and years and years ago, yeah. um, and it's not that it's not value from other people. It's my own value of myself. So I value myself enough now to be able to talk about it and to be able to be open and honest because quite rightly I sh should and everybody should have that right to feel safe to talk and have someone mm -hmm. to talk to and um, and I denied myself that for years and years and years because yeah. I was a man. <laughs> it's like that. Well, I, can't, I, can't, I can't talk about that. Society tells me I shouldn't. So yeah. And we need to, and like I said earlier on, we're, we, we seem to be going in the right direction with that. We seem to be encouraging a lot more. You see a lot more people talking and sharing about it, mm -hmm. but it's still not perfect. And let's face no. it, there's still, there's still times where you're going to shy away. There's still, I think even myself now, there's probably times where you might still not fully open up. But again, that's maybe just like a, depending on who you're with and who you're surrounded by. Yeah. It's crazy because even, even I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that for me, it was a moment this week where uh, I was running and, a, and a, an elderly gentleman stopped me and asked me uh, a few questions. We started talking about mental health. And he says, it's so good to hear people being so open these days. And he, he said a line to me and that, it really hit. And it was um, in his day, his generation, a lot of good men just went missing. And I was like, wow, that was it because of all the whole stereotypes and bottle your feelings up and just get on with it to the point where men just felt weak uh, and just wanted to disappear. Uh, people would be better off without them and just didn't come back. And that's that's awful. But to hopefully, uh, by talking about things more openly now, we can right those wrongs and help people out there who are almost feeling the shame of how they feel. Listen to this. Take inspiration from Andrew. You, things can get better, but talking about it is the first step. You want to get help yourself, but there's help out there, but it's, it's down on you, and it's you're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. Definitely. You hit the nail right on the head there that things do get better, and when you're in that darkest hole and darkest pit, you just do not believe that. Yeah, you yeah. do not believe that. You cannot see a way out. You cannot understand how anything can improve. But things do change. It might not happen as quickly as we want at times. It might not happen instantaneously. It's one of these things we can't force because I think in trying to force things to change, you get yourself more worked up, more agitated, more upset yeah. because you're not seeing that reflection. But Again, it's in sharing stories and people talking, it can be evidence that things can change. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm nothing special. I'm a person in the, the day. I'm, I'm, I'm just, so I'm like everybody else. There's no magic formula. There's nothing in me that's not inside anybody else. It's just making that choice that I want to make things better, helping yourself and realizing that things can change and they will change if. You, you make those changes themselves. Well, thanks, Andrew, for sharing your battle and and your story. Um, I'm sure a lot of listeners will be listening, getting quite emotional about that. And, and thank you for, for sharing it. It's nice to see that you're in a better place now, Andrew. Um, and looking back, almost you can't recognise that Andrew in the woods. So uh, thanks for being on the show. I, say I was desperate to get you on here because of your story and what hopefully you can inspire others and just being open and talking about how we are currently feeling and what we're going through. I, like you, can 
I can sort. I can. I've got a lot of links to with what you're saying there, Andrew, because of wearing a mask and feeling shame about the way I feel and mm-hmm. wanting to uh, wanting to leave, um, and then suddenly feeling like uh, I've got a small child, and I'm feeling terrible to even think that of, of leaving her. But at the time, again, everything just felt so painful. I wanted out, and obviously, everybody we would be better without me because you're constantly looking for those negatives, but it's to try and change that mindset and realize evidence wise, that's complete nonsense. Um, you are valued. Everyone loves you. You've got a love, a lot of love and support around you, friends and family. And it's not a, it's not a sign of weakness, putting your hand up and saying, I need help. That's a huge sign of strength. And if you can make that Absolutely. step, then yeah, you're, you're stronger than anyone I know. If you can just say, look, I'm, I've been down to that dark pit, but I'm climbing out. I'm not at the top, but I'm climbing. I'm like, well done. Do a small acts of kindness, as we say, um, along the way can be huge. Obviously, if someone's feeling really low, and like you alluded to it as well, Andrew, that looking at you on that on that morning, people would never know. You're just dropping your kids off at school, so you can't you can't look at somebody and just instantly know they're in trouble. So don't be the person who gives them the last push. Be the person who gives an acts of kindness and gives them just a bit of smile for that day. And that smile could be huge for them. So, yeah. Thanks for sh- sharing your story, Andrew. Um, I'm sure this episode will, will go down really well because it's been... It's been a great listen and uh, it's been emotional listening to you, Andrew, because as you said, even when you're seeing these words, it's always quite, it's quite relaxed seeing them, but the magnitude of what you were seeing there in that forest, in that wood was, wow. So I'll, all I can think is uh, I'm just so glad you have terrible quality in belts <laughs> and <laughs> and you made it out and uh, you're now with us and I can call you a really good friend. So. Thank you, Andrew, for being on Personal Battles, and it's great that you're still with us. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Could I have your friendly fire question, please, for our next battle guest, please? Sure. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh, now that I like that question. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, you got me thinking about me now. Oh, Peter Crouch, maybe. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Andrew? Who do you think would play you? Well, um, clearly it would have to be someone. Oh, wait, wait. I think, oh, no, sorry. We're out of time. We'll, oh, have to, we'll have to come back next week to find out who would play Andrew in a movie about himself. I know as cliffhangers go, it's right up there with Scott. But yeah, we'll come back next week and find your answer. Thank you. Okay, how how on earth do I sum up Andrew's battle there? I don't know if I can. Um, but what can I learn from it? I think I can learn that the term what doesn't kill you makes you stronger has never been truer in his case. I've never heard a story personally of a person at such a low point in their life that they repeatedly try and kill themselves and then hide from those who are trying to help. But that shaped Andrew into the person that he is now. And he now probably looks at things, obstacles that are thrown at him in a different light. He probably feels stronger for them because he's gone through hell. So this has got to be easy compared to that. So all I can say is, I thought Andrew's story needed to be heard. I'm glad he shared it with me. And I hope listening to it inspires you. And maybe helps somebody out there. That you can be at rock bottom, feel completely alone. But you're not. There's others out there who've suffered too. And there's examples of people who got out, even just through time, you can get out.
Andrew's also a big believer in using a journal to help with his mental health as a coping mechanism. Of talking to Andrew, I've done that too. It has helped me. Um, I don't write every day. But what I have done was certain issues that got stuck in my head and would just go round and round. I did write down and then just put away in a drawer. Literally like putting it in a box and just forgetting about it. I wrote them down, put them in a drawer, closed the drawer and just thinking if I ever want to go back, the writing's there. But for now, that door's closed. And finally, what can I say about Andrew? The man's an absolute inspiration. And to share his story, I'm, I'm so, I'm so blessed that he's decided to share his story with me, so you can listen to it. Um, all I can say is, thank you, Andrew, and I hope that, uh, I hope that Liverpool gin helps. <laughs> Be kind, corner. Okay, I think Be Kind Corner now going forward is always just going to be the same, especially talking to my previous two battle guests about the importance and the magnitude an act of kindness can have on somebody at rock bottom. Last week, I mentioned that just looking at somebody, you can't tell what's going on, and I used myself as a reference, a six-foot-eight giant with a, a menacing stare, and you didn't know that person probably just wanted to cuddle. This week... I think we've learned that looking at somebody who looks like he's got all his ducks in a line, he's smiling, he's dropping his children off at school. Again, don't make assumptions. That person could be struggling just as much as that scary man who's sitting down at a coffee staring at you. Because that man who's to drop his kids off is then going to go to a wood with the mission of not coming back out. So all I can say is, acts of kindness, please be kind to people out there, to strangers, you don't know what they're going through, be the act of kindness, don't be the final push. As we're coming to the end of episode three, I just want to say, leave the past behind you and just look forward. Be kind to yourself and others, but also Value yourself. You are great and you're going to smash it. I'm Al. You can also find me on personal underscore Al underscore best. This was Personal Battles. Keep some laughter in your heart and some London gin in your kitchen. Stay safe. Stay with us. Until next time. It's bye from Al.